VHS cold. I was a loner until there were no friends left. And before someone offered me drugs, you know, I was straight edge. And everyone's quit till you offer them a cigarette. Before we learn our lesson, let's see how bad things can get. And I'll drink myself to death, or at least I'll drink myself to sleep. Chain smoke my way through the gaps in between my aspirations and my apathy. As we drive past the last exit to home, I am waving goodbye and I might be sleeping in the ditch tonight, but it's alright, cause whiskey is my kind of lullaby. Um, I've been keeping vampire hours lately, so... I don't know. That's I mean, an appropriate. We watched an appropriate movie, then. Yeah, I need to figure out my sleep schedule or something. I'm gonna have to do an all-nighter, restart, reset. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere, rocking. Not everywhere. really. I'm not familiar with booties rocking everywhere. Well, it's it's been there. The, so the, there used to be a glut of booty songs, but now there's like barely any of them. I was thinking about it last night. It's yeah, like, no, it's not. It doesn't seem like it's booty time out there right now. Well, uh, that's it's too bad. But I remember I mentioned before it's the year without party rocking. So yeah, yeah. So it, it makes, makes sense. There's no so. booty time. Ass so fat, look like she's trying to walk backwards, bruh. That's what two chains says. And it's like I don't know, I don't know what that means, two chains, but <laughs> you got a fat ass. One time I saw two chains at a show and he's tall as fuck. Did he have two chains? It seemed like he had more than two chains. He <sighs> like, he can't, no, he can't do that. Well his name well, also his name used to two be two exactly. He used to be Titty Boy. <laughs> I remember that. Then he's Titty Boy Two Chains, then he's just two chains. Yeah, it's crazy that so like he wasn't super popular when he was Titty Boy, but I remember he had like a kind of like an underground hit as Titty Boy, and it's crazy he just changed his name. He's like, I'll, I'll never be able to get mainstream as Titty Boy. I'll have to be two chains. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make some money. I, want, I need a, I need a house. Mm-hmm. That's a food on the table. <laughs> it's not possible with this this ridiculous this ass name, Titty Boy. Titty Boy. <laughs> titty boy. You know what's going on? So this week, obviously, everyone's still tearing down statues, which is good. Black lives still matter. Everything's going. Cops still killing people. Of course, killed the 18-year-old security guard. Um, It's now coming out that uh, he was on his knees with his hands behind his head when they killed him. So That's never happened before. Thank you, uh, police. I'm not not shocked at all. Eventually, people are going to have to start killing the police. Um, nah, well, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> it seems like the only solution. Well, I mean, like, it probably will happen like, on a small scale, to be honest, but I don't, you know. They just won't stop, and no one's willing to abolish them. So the us ones on the street will have to get out there and abolish them, like my friend's cousin who's serving a life sentence for killing a cop. I don't know all the details, but since he's a cop, I'm guessing he got what he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what else this week? Um, some minor distractions from the real cause. It's uh, Juneteenth, but also people got opinions about video games. Oh, I don't, I don't pay attention to video game opinions. Are we talking about Gamergate still? Uh, Last of Us 2 came out. Oh, it's I don't Gamergate. I don't know. I didn't, ca- I didn't care about <laughs> The Last of Us 1, so. Video games are just bad. I don't understand why people are so invested in them. But I guess it's just like a cultural touch, so. I started watching The Watchmen because it's free. I'm watching The Watchmen, huh? That show sucks. It's all right. Nah, it's, it's better bad. than I was expecting. I went with real low expectations. Yeah, it's bad. It's stupid. It just gets worse and worse. It's dumb. <laughs> I don't understand why people bother. I don't, were they actually trying to hide that uh, Michael Ironside was, uh, was Adrian? Until the third episode? I thought... Uh, no, nah, I don't know. Maybe for like the casual watcher. Be like, oh, okay. Also, but, I think I, you mentioned when we when they first came out that Michael Ironside was was uh, Ozymandias, and I was like, that doesn't really work for me. But I actually kind of like him as it. It works. Also, you mean Jer- Jeremy Irons? Yeah, I'm sorry, I said Michael Ironside, didn't I? Michael Ironside's a different white man. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same to me. Yeah, he has, uh, he has iron in his name. <laughs> Jeremy Irons has a much more interesting voice than Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside has a crazy voice. What are you talking about? They both have interesting voices. Michael, Michael Ironside is dark seed. Oh really? I just, the he's, Justice League cartoons, remember? Yeah, he's a total recall. He has a crazy <laughs> voice. <laughs> he just has an old white guy voice. Not like Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons has like I've been smoking eight packs a day since I was three. Yeah, he's got like God's voice or something. Be prepared. The best song in Lion King. Yeah, he didn't sing all that though, I don't believe, because he uh he had a smoker's voice. He could probably do it. Tom Waits does it. Tom Waits built his whole career on it. And then he I, don't, became, I don't know that uh, Jeremy Irons has the, quite the vocal range. chops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tom Waits built the whole career around it, and then he became the Joker, baby. <laughs> I'm a Joker, baby. The Joker, baby. So, 1987 gave us two vampire movies, and obviously, one was set in Santa Cruz, so that's the better one by default. Yeah, so separated by two months from The Lost Boys, it's 1987's Near Dark, which is what we watched this week. small town farmer's son reluctantly joins a traveling group of vampires after he is bitten by a beautiful drifter you know just boy meets girl becomes a vampire you've seen it before it's like the jim carrey version of the story what's it called bitten once bitten oh i forgot about that movie is that the jim carrey one i don't know there's a lot of shitty 80s vampires movies and we'll watch them all <laughs> we'll watch them all. not to say new dark is a shitty one but you know there's you know, it's, I, you know it's not really a lot of great vampire movies it was uh, uh, Near Dark, Lost Boys, um, Twilight, the, the Breaking Dawn Part 1. Which is the one with the terrifying CG, baby. Is that the very last one? That one's pretty good. <laughs> why, do they have a, why is that monster in it? Where does that monster come from? Uh, Near Dark, yes, yeah, coming uh, only two months after Lost Boys. Lost Boys, of course, was a major studio production. It's full of teen beat heartthrobs. It's got the two Corys in it. Uh, marketed the shit out of it. Warner Brothers, big summer blockbuster type shit. 
and then trailing behind two months later in October comes Near Dark, independently produced Catherine Bigelow's first solo directorial film. Who's Catherine Bigelow? Previous to this, she had only uh, directed The Loveless. She co-directed it with someone else. It's a cute little rockabilly movie with Willem Dafoe. We'll probably watch it eventually. Oh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I watched the movie with Willem Dafoe this week too, but we can What, The Lighthouse? No, Spider-Man. Oh. She follows it up with Near Dark, and then after that, she does a couple newer videos. So that's, that's dope. And after that, she does Blue Steel, Point Break, Strange Days. And um, she gets some Oscar recognition for The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, where she advocates uh, torture. And then she I mean, she kind of advocated torture in this movie. hi oh. <laughs> Yeah, and then she made Detroit, which was uh, very tone deaf. So, can't win them all, Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> the, uh, the one thing that really bothers me about this movie in particular is it's one of those vampire movies that like tries to pretend that, that, like, vampires don't ex- that no one knows about vampires before, right? No one mentions the word vampire in this entire movie. Well, they don't interact with very many people. They don't straight up kill. So I guess, but at the same time, you think like the dude would be like, "Yeah, Dad, I'm a vampire now. Not like I'm sick." Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't bother me too much at all. It's That's like it whatever. Kind of bothers me like it's the same thing like in zombie movies are like, ah, we can't say the z word. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care because there's like barely any outside characters that interact with him except for his family. And his dad's like, "We'll take you to the hospital," and he's like, the "Hospital ain't gonna fix this shit." Which is like <laughs> being a blood transfusion. That's obviously <laughs> a solution to vampirism. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty whack too. I don't like that. I don't know. I kind of wish the whole movie was just about Bill Paxton's character. I don't like <laughs> our heroic shit kicker. He seems like a shitty piece of shit. Bill Paxton just plays a weird ass dude in every 80s movie. Well, this is the apex. This is the zenith of his like asshole, lovable asshole bro guy that he was doing every 80s movie this is the peak of it as he plays Severin it's the ultimate Bill Paxton uh Catherine Bigelow though she's a very talented painter she spent two years at the San Francisco Art Institute at 20 she won a scholarship to the Whitney Museum's independent study program and she later earned a scholarship to study film at Columbia University School of Arts graduating in 79 she was uh, married to James Cameron for a little bit. Unfortunately, that's kind of like what she's most well-known for, but that's how... Uh, oh, she had some nice things to say about him too, didn't she? Yeah, but <clears throat> the unfortunate thing is because of how our society is structured. Yeah, yeah, because James Cameron... Yeah, since James he's Cameron. a man, he's a famous man, she's only known for having been married to him for a couple of years. <laughs> well, no, he didn't help didn't really help her career or help her make any of her movies. Uh, I noticed even in some of the uh, like f- factoids on IMDb and stuff for this movie is that people kind of trying to credit James Cameron for the cast of this movie because she did take a section of the Aliens cast, right? Bill I guess Paxton, Bill Paxton. Yeah. Lance Henriksen yeah. and Vasquez. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> but um, people try to act as though James Cameron gave her the idea or whatever. It was, no, it was just like circumstances of casting, and then she did eventually call James Cameron and was like, "Hey, um, I'm taking like part of your cast. Is it gonna be <laughs> <Half> cool?" <of> <laughs> and he was like, "Let's date sometime after I get back from the ocean depths." <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about the Titanic. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, the people just. Um, constantly trying to take credit away from what she did. Um, I mean, part of her credit is uh, advocating for torture in the U.S. military, so 
uh, whatever. But I mean, I mean, did. James Cameron advocates for U.S. military all the time. <laughs> Most film is very uh, pro-military, unfortunately. A lot of military propaganda in the United States. Uh, she kind of met James Cameron while making this movie because of the cast, and he like came by and hung out and stuff, and then they hung out and got married for a while, and then she's like, he's crazy. And everyone else is out over time now. Everyone's like, yeah, he is kind of crazy. <laughs> he doesn't seem. <laughs> Let's to watch be fourteen an, more Avatar movies though. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be an evil man, just like a, a weirdo. Weird one. Well, yeah. a strange one. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is her first solo directorial effort. Like I said, all she'd done previously was Loveless, which was co-directed with some other dude. Um, the cool producer for this film, New Dark, his name's Edward S. Feldman. Uh, he told her that if she couldn't handle or didn't know what she was doing while filming after five days, she would be replaced. Um, could you imagine him saying that to a male director? Mm, I'm probably has been said to a male director, but um, seems pretty I get your shitty. point. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fucking terrible. She'd already directed one movie, asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dumb. And pile on top of that, she's the first woman to win the Directors Guild of America Award for uh, Hurt Locker. Uh, 2010 she became the first woman in oscar history to win best director for her locker she's the first woman to win a bafta award for best director so uh you know film it's, it's for it's for the boys dudes Who rock that? film dudes rock <laughs> um 2017 uh she was asked why she moved from the fine arts to feature films uh, and she, she's quoted as saying that was like film. 30 years ago wow 2017 yeah, well, I mean, like, if you're asking that question, it's like she moved from the fine arts to feature film, like, a, a while ago. Oh, yeah, people didn't care about her opinions until she won Oscars and shit, though. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, Point Break, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, which is weird. Point Break was a pretty big hit in the 80s, but, you know, whatever. Uh, she's quoted as saying, I knew film had the potential to cross all lines of culture and class. That excited me. So I made me. Point Break. No, she made Loveless first. <laughs> I'll say what you feel about Point Break it's um, definitely uh, oh it's fun as hell it's a good movie yeah. um, I've watched several behind the scenes interviews and shit about Near Dark this week and tons of stuff about Catherine Bigelow because I really didn't know too much about her before because I'm a victim of the misogynist culture we live in um, she has fucking major queen of the scene kind of power you know what I mean like every dude is in love with her and she just like fucking walks oh, on like strong like Stevie Nicks energy. Yeah, like she's very powerful. Like I'll listen to her talk about anything. <laughs> and a lot of times it's like she doesn't I don't know, she's just super intense. It's like fucking I could see why like every director and producer back then was like, Oh, I just want to be around her and well, it's like, Oh yeah, I get it, you fucking losers (laughs) so yeah no she seems she's a very powerful human being she has like intense energy she's also like six feet tall so that's badass badass i I try not to associate a height with badass them because it makes me feel like an asshole yeah but that's just that's biology (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yeah i don't know i just feel like a real prick yeah i don't know i'm 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 pretty tall I don't know. It's just cool. She just seems like a cool lady. I'd hang out with her, despite her advocating torture. I don't know. I like really. I'm, I don't like anybody that really advocates torture. That includes. I mean, John. Even John McCain didn't advocate torture. 
Yeah, but he did advocate calling his wife a trollop <laughs> and a bunch of racist well, and yeah, a bunch of racist shit, shit, a bunch of uh, kind of vaguely straight up cowardly shit, um, yeah. some weird misogynist shit with his first wife. I don't know. Yeah, but not torture. John McCain's a piece of shit. I don't care if he didn't advocate for torture. Everything else he believed in was fucking garbage. Fucking maverick. <laughs> he's maverick and he's crashing airplanes everywhere and shit. <laughs> fucking loser. Um, well, we already mentioned the cast. We got a lot of a- aliens people in here, but let's go over the cast because that's what we do in this podcast. First off, we got Adrian Pazdar, who plays Caleb, who's shit-kicking, hillbilly piece of shit main character. Uh, this movie is completely unrelatable to me because I just fucking don't like these fucking Becker Woods <laughs> shit-kickers <laughs> from middle Yeah, where's this, Oklahoma, Texas? Takes okay. place in Oklahoma. Uh, it was filmed um, in Tucson, though. Yeah, it looks very Arizona. Yeah, it looks like dirty-ass parking lot in Tucson. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Which they is probably where most of us are gonna die, judging where the COVID rates are going. Yeah, um, so they were originally gonna film on location, but they like got rained out of Oklahoma, destroyed a bunch of sets and stuff. So then they filmed in Tucson because uh, nothing was going on in Tucson. So <laughs> Tucson was happy to have him. Uh, Adrian Pastar, he's like a cutie kissy man. He doesn't seem like a cowboy. He seems like a cutie, you know, like kissy boy. Um, you want to kiss him? So I'm so I'm here. Yeah, he's, like, he's a young, cute little kissy boy. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Well, 2020. No, no, not wrinkly anymore. and pruny. Uh, he's famously I recognize him from Carlito's Way. Uh, he also does tons <laughs> of uh, voice acting for Marvel shit. I guess he's in Agents of Shield or something. I don't know. Uh, also, apparently, he was in Heroes. Remember, there's the one dude who was a politician that could fly or some shit, right? Oh yeah, that's him. I so yeah, about that. he did get older and like not, he's still kind of a handsome guy, but because of his hairline, he's not like so much of a cutie. <laughs> That's what sucks for men. Not for me though, but a lot of men, uh, the, the hairline gets fucked up and then they're not cuties anymore. Well, I mean, like those dudes, like he, after a couple seasons of heroes, he probably got that hairline fixed. Maybe a cutie again. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what he's up to. Well, it's also like he's short. So he put, if he puts on like 15, 20 pounds, he just doesn't look good, you know? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Getting back on uh, the heightism again. I mean, you got more space to store fat and muscle. That's all I'm saying about being tall. Uh, he does, however, have a movie that an uh, animated film that's in post-production. I couldn't find too much information on it, but it's called uh, the Manson Brothers Midnight Zombie Massacre. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that. That sounds like something I'd be into. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the Manson Brothers? Charles Manson and his imaginary uh, brother, uh, Dick Manson. Manson. (laughs) Yeah, that concludes our discussion of Adrian Pazdar until we talk more about the movie. Up next, we got Jenny Wright, who plays May. She's the template for every, like, 90s girl, right? It's like uh, my so-called life, Claire Danes kind of thing. (laughs) Right? You see the... I see the through line. She's, like, every 90s. Yeah. 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 She's like wayfish, wayfish dream girl, right? She's oh, she's a wilting flower, but actually she beat the shit out of you, you know. She is uh, very beautiful and very engaging. Does a really good job in the movie. Uh, before this, she was in Pink Floyd's The Wall, and she was in Twister, but not the Twister you're thinking of with Bill Paxton. No, well, obviously, because no, no. that would be after this. Correct. This is an '80s movie called Twister, which is directed by Michael Amaretta. It's got Harry Dean Stanton and Crispin Glover in it. We'll probably watch uh, it. Eventually. Harry Dean Stanton and Crispin Glover. That's right. I gotta imagine that set was fucking nuts. Double threat. 
Unstoppable. And <laughs> did Harry Dean Stanton hit Crispin Glover with a bat? That's my question. Crispin Glover drove him off with his karate kicks. Yeah, I don't. You can't drive Harry Dean Stanton out with no fucking karate kicks. Just Crispin Glover scared the shit out of David Letterman with his karate moves. David Letterman, he got all pussified by Crispin Glover. <laughs> That's why his middle name is Hellion. Um, <laughs> his middle name should be fucking asshole. Now he rules. Mm. Nah, I'll challenge you on that every time. No, nah, Kristen Glover rules. Um, most importantly, though, she is in Lawnmower Man. Lawnmower Man. Greatest films of the 90s. Another Stephen King story. And uh, to lean back into um, great women only being great because of the great men they're associated with, she was involved with Nicolas Cage for two years. So that's cool because Nicolas Cage um, always picks the coolest women. You can't always. Every guy has, always. Everyone has a bad one. Always. I'm definitely, like, I'm sure if I can go through Nicolas Cage dating history, there's a couple, there's a couple stinkers in there. Nicolas Cage rules. He's never done anything I mean, Nicolas Cage himself is, like, if you, Nicolas Cage is in your, your dating history, I, I question you. What? Nicolas Cage rules. He's got his own tomb. So, oh, I mean, I can have my own tomb if I'm rich enough. I don't want one. Even if I am rich enough. So, uh, January, you know, I'm gonna be cremated and scattered all over Disneyland, what not the- in like a fun way, but like, like on the tilt a whirl in front of in people's faces. That sucks, that's my dream. But Disneyland sucks, yeah. I don't care at that point. I'll be laid to rest there. I'm not, <laughs> I'm already dead. Um, Jenny Wright quit the biz in 1998. She's quoted as saying, I don't think acting is a very noble profession, but you can make money and travel. If you take care of it, you can get some things you're, link- you're thinking across. I don't know. It's a very strange thing to do for a living. That seems fair. But, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of noble professions, really. No, a lot of times you're just trying to get by. But there is a, that attitude in Hollywood and around filmmaking and stuff where acting is a noble really pursuit of the thing, arts. Yeah. I know. I've seen the Oscars. Yeah, and it is. It's um, There's a certain extent it is, but you know. Well, I think it's. On, a, I think it's a fine art form. I'm not questioning the art form of it, but it, the worldwide importance of it. Mm, I don't know. Storytelling has immense importance, but um, I don't know that film is any more important than any other art form, and, and maybe less important than some. I think film, in my opinion, film actually might be the most important modern art form just because it reaches the most people. Mm, that's fair. I don't know if television probably reaches more people. I guess it does now. And then we've got video games to worry about. But <sighs> historically, the last hundred or so years, like, film has been the most important art form, I think. Video games, but, I, video games are going to fuck us. The video games are useless. They don't, all they do is copy films. They don't introduce new ideas, right? There's no, no. There's something. There's a new idea in Last of Us Part 14. It's coming up. I don't think so. Apparently, the whole message is that violence is bad, but you're constantly forced to perpetuate violence in the game because it's a video game. So, what was the fucking point? Why'd you make the fucking game? Hmm. I feel like Metal Gear Solid already did a kind of good idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid kind of already covered most of the nuclear disarmament. War is bad. The nature of evil, all sorts of stuff. It's just a little bit too much dialogue, a little bit too grandiose of a message for most people. 
Um, here's the uh, fact I got from IMDb that reads thusly: Future husband James Cameron suggested to Bigelow that she oh my use, god <laughs> that she use the ready-made ensemble cast from recent hit Aliens, and thus Lance Henderson, Bill Paxton, and Jeanette Goldstein all appear in Bigelow's film. That's all bullshit. Um, here's what happened: uh, Bill Paxton was uh, her first choice for Severn in the film. He got the script first. Uh, tried out, got the job. He talked to Lance Henderson about it. Lance Henderson was interested in it. And then uh, Bigelow was struck with the idea. She's like, oh, what if I get Lance and Jeanette Goldstein since they do already have built-in camaraderie from all being in Aliens and filming that together for months. I'll just bring them all in and see how it goes. And ended up casting all of them, and then she contacted James Cameron to see if he was cool with it. It's not James Cameron's idea. Um, no, IMDb said it was, and you know it is because James Cameron has a penis. No, nah, Catherine Bigelow did it on her own. Uh, Michael Bean was also offered a role. Uh, he was going to play Jesse Hooker, which is Lance Henriksen's character, but uh, he found the script confusing, <laughs> which is weird because it's not that complex. That's yeah, pretty. I mean, I don't know. If it's confusing. It's just like the. It's kind of a mess at the end. Like I read a lot of films, third act's a little bit of a mess. Well, so who are the cool guys we got from, thanks to James Cameron, we got Lance Henriksen, who's Jesse Hooker. Uh, Lance Henriksen, you guys know him. He's a great one of the great like villains of all time. He's uh, super intense. He's got a cool voice. And I don't know, he's Lance Henriksen. <laughs> he's, he does what he's he does. He's got a very distinct face and voice if you don't, if you don't recognize him. You may yeah. not know his name, but you recognize him. Yeah, he's one of those, though, it's that guy. Uh, then we got Bill Paxton, who plays Severin, the Pax man, rest in peace. Like I said, this is the apex of like the good old boy asshole charisma that he has in all of his movies in the 80s, right? Starting off with, like weird science and uh, aliens. You know, he's always just kind of like charismatic asshole, real bro kind of guy. I th- this is like the apex role for his 80s career, I think, is this in Severin. Severin is a. Uh, <laughs> the, pin- <laughs> the pinnacle of uh, Bill you Paxton's. You can't get any more Paxton's ever. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, he's you also... can tell too because he really doesn't do that role again after this. No, yeah, this is kind of like the capstone on his 80s career, I feel like. He was like, all right, done with that. Took I'm a big it... twister now. See you guys. Yeah, it took it to a logical conclusion. And that's I'm it. Gonna make, I'm going to make a TV show about uh, sister wives. It's going to be great. It's called Big Love. I think that's what it was called. I never saw it. Was it good? Mom watched it, right? I don't know. I don't watch TV shows. They're trash. You can't <laughs> tell a story in one and a half hours to three hours, then you're not a very good storyteller. Um, Severin's the best character in the movie. Hands down. No one else should even be in the movie. It should just be Bill Paxton and Severin. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this is called the Severin show. With Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Also, Severin, of course, just always reminds me of Venus and Furs, the uh, Iraq novel by Leopold von Sacher-Masoch, which uh, masochism is, his name is the inspiration for masochism. It's a good book. Check it out. Uh, there's also a Velvet Underground song about the book called Venus and Furs. It's pretty good. You should check that out. Uh, I don't know what the connection is with him being called Severin and the character of Severin in Venus and Furs, but, you know, it's just a spooky name, I guess. <laughs> I think it's just a spooky name. And then we got Jeanette Goldstein, who plays Diamondback. She is, of course, Vasquez, a frequent James Cameron collaborator. Uh, we mentioned this in the Aliens episode. She is not Latinx or Chicano, so... Uh, a little weird. You get to watch Aliens now with a little bit of a skew of Vasquez, where you're like, hmm, it's kind of offensive. 
Yeah. And then uh, rounding out our vampires, we have the little boy vampire, Joshua. Good. Sorry. This is Joshua John Miller, Homer. He's always a fucking little kid vampire in these things. I think this might have been a novel idea when they did it in this. No, it was the interview in the vampire came out like 1976. The The book? book. Yeah. Yeah, no one's reading that fucking goth of fucking masturbation (laughs) shit. Bullshit. There were tons of people read that. Oh. (laughs) Interesting. That shit was popular. I mean, no, like, like, like every generation has its own like vampire shit, it seems like. Okay, well, anyways, we saw him already in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. He's the kid that his head gets melted into bugs. I wish his head got melted into bugs in this one. And then, uh, most famously, he is the younger brother, Richie, in Teen Witch. Uh, We probably will not ever watch Teen Witch, despite it being a bad A's movie, just because it is, like, such a meme now. I feel like there's, like, not any really anything interesting to talk about Wait, in the I don't film. remember Teen Witch at all Which, well, how's it go it's, uh, just check it out it's just a really bad 80s movie I'm that sure I've seen it, the though. internet turned into a meme over the last few years Yeah, so he's famous for being the weird ass little brother in Teen Witch and then he grew up to be an adult who wrote a screenplay for a film called Final Girls which is actually a pretty cute little horror meta horror movie so everyone check that out and found, rounding out the most important information of the film, Near Dark is the 32nd major release and 10th soundtrack album from Tangerine Dream. Oh, you can hear it. They did it. They're still hanging in. And um, a special shout out to the Cramps cover of Fever, which plays during the uh, barroom murder. I've been drinking... Um, I'm just getting into my second 40 of the evening. It's making me feel real slow. You do sound a little uh, a little slow, I think. I don't know how I feel or sound. I've had several drinks at this point. I don't, <clears throat> I've had two, wait, no, like three, three, three like coffee beers, two beers, and then like a couple Roman Cokes. Damn, you'd be fucked up. You'd be fucked up. I don't feel that bad. Oh, I I feel like there's a point where I just stop functioning, and until then, I feel pretty normal. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. No, it's a bad thing. That's how I used to like black out and get in fights and do crazy shit. Yeah, but I never really got in a fight or anything when I was drunk. Yeah, but you just uh, only got drunk at home and stuff. You got to go out into the world, experience, you, you go interact with other people, and you'll get in plenty of fights. I mean, it's been, I, I guess, granted, like, it's been like 10 years since I got it, when I actually went out and drank anywhere. Not me, man. I was out there on the streets as much as I could, interacting, fighting dudes for grabbing my girlfriends and my girl space friends and stuff. That's usually the big instigating factor for fights is someone like hassling one of the girls. I do remember like the last one of the last times I went out was with Quartz for Quartz birthday and one of her friends was with us. And as we were walking out, some dude grabbed her and I was ready yeah. to punch him in the face and then he pulled out a, a badge. Like he was trying to tech- check her to see if she was actually overage. Well. But he was a really tiny guy. He almost got punched in the face. He almost killed the cop. Yeah, well, he would have been dead before I found out, so like, hey, you know what? Nothing I could have done about it. I would have been gone by the time the other cops got there. Yeah. <laughs> why I hang around if I punch a guy in the face? And they'd be like, why'd you take his ear? Look for my ear and necklace, obviously. <laughs> uh, 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 I have a lot in common with Severin, I guess. 
I'd be taking years. If I was a vampire, I'd be I don't, taking years. Did he take years? years? I don't remember him taking nah, years. No, but if I was a vampire, I'd be taking years. You know the most <laughs> so annoying. You don't have a lot in common with Severin. You know the most annoying thing about this movie watching it? It's, it doesn't happen until like more than halfway through, but Severin gives one of his spurs to a uh, fucking shake kicker. Mm-hmm. And it's, man, how are you gonna walk around with one spur on? Like, the, made the back of my mind like itch the I whole rest of the movie. You want my honest opinion? It's nineteen eighty-seven. How are you gonna walk around with two spirit of spurs on? Because that's badass. I was thinking about getting spurs mm, for some of my nah, boys. You're, you're a fucking shit kicker. Hell yeah, man! I get spurs. Man. I don't fuck around. I'm Antifa super soldier. <laughs> Sharpen them shits. Yeah, I, you know, when I think anti-fascist, I definitely think spurs. <laughs> yeah, caballeros, <laughs> the original cowboys, <laughs> original cowboys, man. Out here doing the original cowboy, the Spanish cowboys with their spurs. They were, the original cowboys are definitely fascists. <laughs> Shit, there's got to be. <laughs> they killed some. Oh, there's got to be tons of plenty of people wearing spurs that were working in the mines and they started unions. No, spurs and... were for horses when, when you had a, you owned a horse and you wanted to go really fast and you were mean to it. No, spurs are for when you're badass like me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't yeah. want to make my horse go fast because it likes me a lot. <laughs> Not because I dig my, my nasty-ass spurs into its flanks. I don't really want to ride a horse. I don't, uh, horses are... Like, I, don't, I don't trust horses. Yeah, honestly. Horses are too close to cops. Honestly, I don't trust horses. They're, like, too powerful. I don't think it's, like, not safe to be around them, in my opinion. <laughs> the pony's about as, as big as I want to go. Yeah, uh, horses are just... That, that animal's too powerful. A small mule. No problems with horses. Like, absolutely let them run free and be wild animals and stuff. It's just like, I don't think you should hang around with horses and ride them and stuff. They, that's like that. If a horse is wisened up a little bit, they'd be killing people left and right. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that. You'd think so. But then elephants are way smarter than horses, and they're not They're not killing people left and right. Every once yeah, in a while, or elephants like, I'm going to stomp the show. This motherfucker. Yeah, but it's, uh, really we, don't, we don't subjugate elephants on the mass level we do with horses, right? The elephants. Well, have, not in like this country, but in like, uh, well, it's even not as bad as it used to be in like India, but still. Yeah, but those are the places where they have rampaging elephants because elephants get yeah, too far. That's because elephants are pretty tolerant of humans. They you think humans are pretty cool. You know, humans don't, aren't much of a threat to them, but push an elephant to the limit. They'll fuck you up. Horses are just like, man, we're all enslaved and we, I guess we love it. It's like, no, your horses get it together. You can, like, kick through 10 people. Yeah, but you just give a horse an apple, and he's your best friend. Speaking of horses, big, powerful horses, like I said, bro, two months previous to this, Lost Boys would have been released, which is, of course, a fucking blockbuster. made tons of money. Everybody loved it. Uh, Near Dark came out two months later. They didn't know how to market it. It wasn't a major distribution company or major production or anything. So, Straight uh, up, just market it as an, another Lost Boys, you fucking idiots. Didn't have enough time. What do you Can't mean? Have a two month turnaround for marketing. The marketing was probably decided. Oh, uh, that's fair. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was probably set. They're probably marketing when Lost Boys was in the theaters. Mm-hmm. But still, ah, try. Oof. Oh well. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, Near Dark is the real cult film version of '80s vampire movies, right? Everyone knows Lost Boys. It's part of like the mainstream zeitgeist. Near Dark is the cult counterpart i would say um it has recently in like the last 10 15 20 years or so it has uh, been reestablished more much many more people know about this movie now from like the last 15 years or so in fact i don't think i watched it until i was a teenager because um it was starting to like get word of mouth on the internet so it has been a bit revitalized 
So that's you know, it's been great them. for for a lot of that um, for a lot of those old movies, really. No, I'd say not really. Most of the movies that the internet uh, thrusts to the forefront, like actually, aren't very good. They're just kind of dumb nerd shit. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess if you pay attention, to, like the mainstream internet shit. But if you go in and like actually look, search out some of like the this like the the um, the like weird internet communities, you'll get some good recommendations there. Yeah, but that's the same thing as reading like independent zines and shit back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I just mean like it's a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. There's some people on the internet always trying to act like Event Horizon is a good movie or some shit. It's like, no, it's not you fucking yeah. idiots. That's a that's a <laughs> that's like a Mystery Science Theater movie, and I knew that yeah. one the first time I saw it. It's got Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, it sucks. It's also got um Sam uh, Neil. Sam Neil. Yeah, that's weird New Zealander. That Hobbit. It sucks. Uh, so both Lost Boys and this film feature son of Jason Miller. Famously, he plays the. Uh, uh, father and um, the the priest in Exorcist, the younger priest. I forget what his name is now. That's Jason father Miller. O'Leary. No, he's got a like a more Spanish name because he's yeah. Portuguese. Um, yeah. So Jason Miller, that's the dude in the Exorcist. Uh, both of these movies have one of his sons in it. So in Near Dark, Joshua John Miller, uh, Homer, is his son. And of course, Jason Patrick in Lost Boys is his son as well. So that's interesting. That's an interesting connection, I suppose. Uh, but it's uh, it's one of those. Oh, what the fuck did he call it in fucking Watchmen today? That I thought was so stupid. Wasn't it in the thermodynamic connection or some shit? It's it's. Uh, I I don't know what they call it in Watchmen. Watchmen's overly verbose nerd shit because Damon Lindelof made it. But uh, generally, you would call it like a synchronicity. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I noticed is like the fucking Damon Lindelof just fucking puzzle boxes everywhere. Uh, yeah, correct. He doesn't know how to write a compelling story or interesting characters. And Watchmen ends up being a pro cop propaganda. <clears throat> so fuck it, Watchmen can suck a dick. Not the original, the original Watchmen was pretty pro cop. I, I remember very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That anarchist uh, Alan Moore loves the police. <laughs> Um. Uh, oh, so here's a little background on the movie real quick. When Bigelow and co-writer Eric Red found financial backing for a Western too difficult to obtain, it was a... Uh, oh, man, they had a, was this going to be a Western vampire or was it just a completely different story? This movie is a Western. I know, but I mean, was it... Never mind, go ahead. I'll finish. It was actually set in like the Wild West. No, it was modern Western still. Oh, okay. Yeah. Proceed. Uh, it was difficult to obtain, so it suggested that they try mixing a Western with another more popular genre. And then uh, Bigelow's uh, interest in revisionist interpretation of cinematic tradition led her to combine two genres that they regarded as ripe for reinterpretation, the Western movie and the vampire movie. Um, this is a 1987 t- making a serious vampire movie as many vampire movies as like, came out in the 80s, making a serious vampire movie actually kind of was a bit of an anomaly. Because uh, other than this movie, The Lost Boys is probably the most serious of the vampire movies in the 80s. Maybe Fright Night, but those are still basically like almost teenage boner comedies. <laughs> <laughs> There's Monster Squad. What are you talking about? Monster Squad is fucking the worst. 
I don't even want to think about that movie. But last night I was just watching random shit on Amazon while I was um, doing other stuff, and I watched the Toxic Avenger and Part Toxic Avenger Part Two. Mm-hmm. Then I watched Tank Girl. For some reason, it recommended Monster Squad after that, and I was like, <laughs> I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> I don't know that I considered like I wouldn't go from Tank Girl to Monster Squad. That's for sure. Maybe Monster Squad is a recommendation on Toxic Avenger, but either way, it was incongruous. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, Toxic Avenger Part Two. Love that independent, low-budget, ultra-violent uh, titty movie. Oh, yeah, Monster Squad, just like it. <laughs> there's, like, uh, speaking of Tank Girl, there's still some, like, pretty erotic stuff in Tank Girl, but in, like, a really tame, mainstream way. I'm intrigued by how they were, how they, not how they got away with it, because it is still safe, like I said, but it's intriguing to me that... I don't know, it's just an interesting use of sexuality in the film in a very safe way that I can't think of too many other examples that did it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Also, I just love Tank Girl in general. Not the movie so much, but the concept of Tank Girl, the comics and stuff. And then um, Lori Petty as Tank Girl is like an early uh, sexual icon from my childhood. So it was, <laughs> nice to, it was nice to revisit it and see her panties and stuff. So that's what I'm into. Those panties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, that uh, HBO had play Tank Girl a lot. I remember that. Yeah. Well, it's I, just, I feel um, like, like, honestly, years after Tank Girl came out. Oh, yeah. It was like 2008. They were playing Tank Girl and shit on HBO. But it's like that Magnetic Fields song, right? It was a pretty girl in her underwear. I don't remember what the rest of the lyrics are, but it's basically about uh, pretty girls in the underwear are great. Written by a gay man, by the way. Even he knew. Actually, I think the song's just underwear, and it goes over pretty boys in the underwear, too. So it's a song for everybody. It's for the people. And it people in the underwear, people. specifically. There's two, two, two specific musical icons that are for the people. Right? And it's Wu-Tang and Magnetic Fields. Speaking of spooky boogans, uh, vampire mythology in the film is left deliberately vague. It's never seen if they cast reflections in a mirror or if they are affected by holy objects, roses, garlic, running water, etc. They aren't even called vampires. But it is seen that they are extremely strong, non-aging, surviving on human blood, cold to the touch, destroyed by sunlight and fire, but cannot be killed by most conventional methods. No one tried to stake him in the heart, though, so we just don't know. Yeah. Huh. Cut off the head, though, seems to work, because he was going to do it. Yeah. Paxton was going to do it. Mm-hmm. He said, it's not what's going on, what's going off. Your face. Yeah. Ah, I think you're looking ah. good. Bill Paxton's fucking amazing in this movie. Uh, uh, before it became a cult favorite, the film had a showing at New York's Museum of Modern Art with Catherine Bigelow in attendance. This was as recently as like 2006. So my like time frame of it not becoming... Oh, Do you hear the, my neighbor's dogs yelling at each other? Oh, is that a dog? Yeah, that... <laughs> that's not what I heard. It, to me, it sounded like your kid, one of your kids, running through the hall, going like, "Ah!" <laughs> no, it's a, there's two dogs. They're, they're not. They're not in the same yard, and they constantly yell at each other. Hmm. One's like a husky, so it's like, rrr, 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 and the other is a normal dog, so it just barks. A normal dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, according to Catherine Bigelow, one ending considered was for Caleb's younger sister, Sarah, to follow him in May into the sunlight, only for her hand to start burning, implying she was bitten by Homer during her abduction and is now infected. 
However, this was eventually dropped as it would have had little impact given, given she could be easily cured by... Yeah, like that would mean nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, it already... Uh, vampirism already is just kind of completely pointless <laughs> in this film. Yeah, it's shit. so easy to cure. Mm-hmm. It's like they only... It's like if they told them, like, hey, guys, can we cure you? Like, Do you want to be cured? No. It just makes... I don't know. It makes them so pointless to me. But whatever. Yeah, we'll get into all the problems I have with this movie in a second. Uh, Near Dark received mostly positive reviews for its mix of the Western and vampire movie genres. Still has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of that must have to do with um, retroactive viewing, I would assume, though. Uh, Near Dark is at once a creepy vampire film, a thrilling Western, and a poignant family tale with humor and scares in abundance. I don't know about humor. Or scares, in my opinion. Yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I get, <laughs> plenty I was, of violence. I was, I was really trying to be nice about giving it yeah. to him. Plenty of violence in it, but if you don't find violence particularly scary, uh, it's not really scary. And then Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, gory and gorgeous. This is absolutely put this on the cover of the DVD. Uh, he was right about that, though. It is shot very, very well. The cinematography is amazing. Um, the practical effects are really good. It's a nice little gore movie. Everything looks really good. It's got a good vibe to it, good soundtrack. The performances are good. It's just like not a very good story. Yeah, it's just a mess. Well, it's just like so simple and pointless. And they, they kind of stretch it out. Like, how many times is this fucking sister going to be kidnapped? Yeah, and I don't understand. I think the movie would have been much more interesting if they didn't cross paths with his family at all, and it was just a movie about him being pulled away from whatever. His- yeah, like maybe like the like they get come close to each other. They miss completely miss each other at that hotel. You know what I mean? We oh no, I, I just mean like we don't ever see his family again after he gets abducted. Like oh no, I kind of like the idea. He's humanity. like searching for him, and they just kind of move. You know, and they, they miss each other, and they. Well, they yeah, but what's the, the actual moral conflict in the movie, though? With oh, I got to get back to my family. Okay, understandable, but um, but also he doesn't want to kill or be a vampire anyways. So there's like nothing keeping him there. He could just get a couple bucks and catch the bus. He's only three dollars short. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then um, yeah, it's like a, it is a, the whole time. I'm like, why, why is any of this happening? Yeah, it's just uh, dumb as shit. And then also, uh, Lance Hendrickson, Hendrickson is really, really good in the movie. I love him. I love the character he portrays. But he is fucking the absolute shittiest like leader. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he doesn't give any incentive for him for our Caleb to want to fall in line or follow him or you know what i mean there's like nothing <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> that's i hate people that um you see it a lot in like every fucking job you've had i'm sure listeners the, the people that usually are like middle management and stuff have no actual charisma or like talent or there's nothing interesting about them that gives them the leadership position so they just fall back on to like being kind of like uselessly cruel in any way they can be to like somehow secure the yeah, power I mean, or because they think that's how you're supposed to act usually. or whatever. It's, it's like, either uselessly cruel if they're not, if you're not talented, it's either you're uselessly cruel or like you just constantly adhere to the rules. Yeah. And it's, so that's his, his hooker's character is like that as well, where he's just needlessly cruel. I could see he, him being, 
maybe like not he's a vampire right they're undead they're supposed to be evil creatures or whatever i get that but like he they're also supposed to be like seductive and manipulative and stuff so he could be duplicitous and actually be that cruel in the end but he's just like so straight up bloodthirsty and shitty to caleb and everyone around him where it's like why the fuck would anyone ever follow this guy <laughs> he's like <laughs> ripe to be usurped if i was in caleb's position you know I'd be like, I'm you say that but over you you say that, but at the same time, look who's president right now. But that's I'm that's the consequence of the society we've arranged and being allowing people with money and things like that to have too much power to exist on a, a, a level where they can achieve for more power, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when it comes to like face to face direct interaction, like in small groups like this, especially when there's no formal arrangement or anything like that, like fucking. Uh, no way I'm gonna stand for Jesse Hooker to have any authority over me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, fucking old man. I'm in charge <laughs> now, bitch. Like, what the fuck you well, yeah, well, the, <laughs> you haven't been you been you haven't been drinking any blood, you know. He's he's an old vampire. He's got well, all yeah, that kind of that's he's no, got all these followers yeah. lining up after him, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the other problem with Caleb though, is he just fucking sucks. So even starting off as when he's a human, he's a fucking uh, overreaching creep to May. Yeah, that was weird. Um, the big problem I had with this movie, I guess, is probably because I started watching it several times and like falling asleep because I was watching it at inopportune times. So I watched the opening 15 minutes like four times. And so it really locked into my brain like how fucking overly familiar and handsy and shitty he was to me like in the beginning of the film where I was like, this is a fucking piece of shit. I like have nothing in common with this fucking shit kicking Peckerwood. So I didn't like him. So then watching the rest of the movie, I was like, yeah, fucking Severin, take his fucking face off. Fuck this kid. I guess I uh, didn't get the right message from the movie, but that's what they get for. I mean, unfortunately, I'm sure this was a, a, a daily reality. And I know it's not much better for women in the Western world now or worldwide, but there's just so like commonplace for him to be like all over her and shit. And be in the movie. I was like, man, fuck this dude. Like, fuck, this is the hero. This guy's a piece of shit, man. I'll fuck him up. The 1980s is that that's your hero man yeah so i yeah it's right off the not bat, everyone can be the can be big heck yeah it's right off the bat i'm just like fucking i don't like this you don't give a fuck about this shit kicker he's wearing a cowboy hat and a fucking suede jacket he's got a shitty truck he's like uh overly aggressive with women um i don't know he's just fucking hillbilly peckerwood i don't give a fuck so as soon as like the vampires show up, i'm like yeah t- fucking tear this fool apart Obviously, the vampires aren't really any better. <laughs> it turns out the vampires are, are only slightly better. Well, one of them is a fucking confederate, so... Yeah. I fought for the South. <laughs> we lost. <laughs> and we keep losing every year. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of uh, scholarly writings about this film in the last few years. About how it actually has to do with uh, poverty and uh, the, 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 the poor whites that are really, like, sucking you know the blood of the working class of the south and stuff like that um i could see you extrapolating those ideas from the wow. movie like there's elements of that stuff in there but that's just because of how they're depicting oklahoma uh but that's not in the fucking movie they just wanted to make a western movie they couldn't get funding so they threw vampires into it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean oh man that's real you're really reaching in my yeah. <laughs> for that one well, I mean, the poverty is depicted in the film, but that's just because they're giving a representation of what Oklahoma's like. Yeah, Oklahoma's is, not a richest state. 
Yeah, it's an impoverished place. Um, I mean, in my opinion, if you're going to make any film set in the United States, generally 90% of the time, it should be a reflection of poverty because that's how most people live anyways. But, you know, that's just not what you get anymore. Everyone's fucking living in New York. It has vague jobs. Yeah, I'm a, I'm advertising a, I'm a graphic novelist uh, part-time, and my yeah. wife, is uh, she makes dog uh, costumes. Yeah, it's fucking weird that everyone's so afraid to depict poverty at all, to depict reality. It's fucking the weirdest shit. Um, yeah, so I, I, that's all uh, weird extrapolation that people have come up with. Um, yeah, he's the only reason he's a confederate is because that's a backstory that Lance Henriksen made up for his character for motivation. And he happened to tell Catherine Bigelow about him. She's like, Oh yeah, we can throw that in. I throw it in. Yeah. It's not paramount to the story. The story is just like a shitty love story. And when it comes down to it, the important question we have to ask ourselves after watching near dark, and I don't mean to shit on it too much. I really fucking love the way the movie looks. Soundtrack's good. Bill Paxton's great. Um, it is a cool, like, fun little violent movie. Uh, but the, the real question we got to ask ourselves is what's better? And you mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, is it Lost Boys in Near Dark? And uh, it's fucking Lost Boys. It's in Santa Cruz. 100%. <laughs> yeah, there's no question. Yeah. Any movie that has the Big Dipper in it is obviously better. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. It's probably nostalgia or whatever. This movie's absolutely shot better, but, you know, fucking, it's Lost Boys. Lost Boys is a better movie. Uh, th- there's a crazy sax man and there's like a flaming trash can mm-hmm. and he's glistening. I don't know how you can say that this movie 100% is shot better. I think it's more up in the air than, you, than you're giving it. I mean, so this movie has like, um, uh, I, well, honestly, the flying scenes in Lost Boys, those are shot really well. I mean, there's aerial shots like sped up a little bit. Those are fine. This movie's, uh, cinematography is way better there's also uh that uh, very erotic scene where he's drinking may's blood while we uh, also get to see the the oil derelicts like penetrating the earth and stuff and it's like ooh, ooh like this uh this eroticism eroticism which you don't you don't get much of that in lost boys but aside from that sort of thing uh lost boys wins because uh um, I mean, the saxophone guy is buff as fuck. So, <laughs> I, I I like I honestly like Lost Boys more just because I saw it when I was younger. So it's nostalgia. It's in Santa Cruz, so it's like super nostalgic because that's like the summer spot for where we grew up. Like, if we were summertime, we were gonna leave fucking the hood like twice. It was gonna be you go to Santa Cruz and go to the lake a handful of times, right? So Santa Cruz. Well, it's a very special place in my heart and my memory. Um, and fucking the movie's filmed there. Killer Clowns from Outer Space also fil- filmed in the Santa Cruz Mountains. But it doesn't have the boardwalk and shit. So it's not exactly the same. Lost Boys, fucking, it's got it. So <laughs> the takeaway from this episode is watch Near Dark, but then right afterwards watch Lost Boys because that's what I did. <laughs> like after I finished it finally Wednesday or something I think I was like you know what this movie just makes me want to watch Lost Boys <laughs> so I did you know it's not like a great like recommendation for a movie it's just if it's like oh yeah I want to watch something else now here's the thing is uh, Near Dark is I think um, technically a much better movie and it it does have elements in it that I should like much more than Lost Boys. Like, I can look at Near Dark and be like, this is a movie that I definitely should like more than Lost Boys. 
problem is I saw Lost Boys when I was young and it was Santa Cruz. Like, it's, it's like, man, it's not going to change. It's too late. There's a Tiger Army song about it. Like, you, just, you know, uh, this is how it is. I'm going to listen to my Tiger Army song more than yeah, This is how it happens to be. That's just, those are the rules. Like, I don't make the rules, but that's just how yeah. it is. Well, it's like the same time I can intellectualize like a lot of the like emotional and uh, different like problems and in, uh, eccentricities and you know shits that I have that I can intellectualize like why I do it and possible reasons to stop. But it's also like part of my innate being, so I'm just kind of like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing with these two movies. Yeah, I mean, stand about Santa Carla, all the damn vampires. Yeah, yeah and the th- I know, like, Lost Boys is like a hella white movie, but like, this movie's hella white. What the fuck are you talking oh, about? No, hold on, hold on. I've, there's an argument I'm about to make that doesn't include the well, this movie will be juxtaposed against it, but uh, Santa Cruz is not a hella white place. Santa Cruz is like chill ass, like, fucking cool ass, like, South Bay little town. On the ocean, like that's real shit, real place. Lost Boys, yeah. big says, like a super, like you know, white suburban place. But in my life, kind of is. I mean, like I'm sure redlining kept a lot of black people off the coast of Santa Cruz. I don't know. That's the first time, like we, you ever saw like fucking goth cholos and stuff. That's true, but you know, yeah. So like you know, I don't know. I feel like Santa Cruz has got some real blood, some real fucking teeth to it. You know, some real vampire shit. So that's real, and then um, it's relatable to me. And then you, I go and watch Near Dark, and it's like, man, I don't give a fuck about these dusty ass fucking crackers. <laughs> I know, which is not like a. I, I feel like it, I'm gonna talk about the end of this fucking movie. I cannot understand why this motherfucker is like, you know what? I'm gonna, my plan is, I got my sister back. I'm gonna fucking walk home. <laughs> well, the thing too is uh, when May shows up in his front yard, and he's like, like hell, psyched to see her and shit, and. Uh, if I saw her, I'd immediately be like, we got to get fucking ready. We're going to have to kill these motherfuckers. Yeah, because right? if she's there, then like the whole fucking clan's there. Yeah. In addition to that, to go back to uh, fucking uh, Jesse Hooker being the stupidest motherfucker alive, as far as vampires go, after they get away and shit, what's his reasoning for coming back? I understand like fucking revenge or whatever. But they yeah, don't but this motherfucker's to- not after you. If you just you know, left him alone, he would leave you alone. Exactly. And like it's not like they have like a, a great plan to get them. Also, why does it seem like they they pl- all their plans of attack take place like half an hour before sunrise? <laughs> right? Like you think you would plan it better? You got like fucking twelve hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, why are you hang out in Oklahoma? Anyways, it's not a good vampire territory. Minnesota, no, Santa Cruz. They wouldn't oh, fit sure. in Santa Cruz though. The people no. would be like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" <laughs> Fought for the South. Oh, you're in the wrong neighborhood, Holmes. You can go to Central Valley with that shit. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Orange County, right? That's where all the weirdos are. No, nah, I'm thinking like more like Huntington Inland Empire, yeah, Valencia. Well, even, no, I'm like even more like the the fucking rural farm towns you drive through, where it's like a there's a, a best best Western. Uh, McDonald's and then twenty thousand farms. You're talking like quartzite and stuff. Yeah, like Irvine. Oh, I don't. I've never. I guess I've only ever driven You've through. You've driven that. through. That's what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, I don't know what there's, people there, are like. I, there. they, they got some. They have some Confederate flags out there. I guarantee. Yeah, I mean there. It's there's parts of um, Central Southern California and up in the mountains of Northern California that. Well, up in the mountains of Northern California is a different breed, but in Central and Southern California, there's some uh, dusty cracker plains, if you will. 
I remember when we grew up in Northern California having some uh, very low opinions of some of like the people that live in Southern California. Well, that's yeah, that's the the, the conflict in California, right? Is the, the the Bay Area especially doesn't like Southern California. I, that's the, I'm oh, sure 100 percent that's changed with all these fucking tech bros, but. Well, yeah, that they're not the Bay Area though. They're um, they're, they are now. they're gentrifiers. <laughs> they're outsiders. They're the reason why probably uh, no they'll one... never be back in the the town we grew up in or the I'm, place we were born. Yeah, I'm, they're the reason why I'm sure uh, no one we knew growing up uh, lives in that area anymore. <laughs> Can't afford that shit. It's like when you <laughs> roll through the, the Google Street View and you're like, "What are all these white people doing there?" <laughs> they still have some black air places. Yeah, it's just weird. Fucking weird. Uh, it's, I mean, probably better than Oklahoma though. I went to Oklahoma. God, they got tornadoes and shit, and uh, they got ranches. What are they ranching in Oklahoma? Cattle, right? I guess, yeah, because there's big open plains and stuff, right? Oklahoma, where the wind goes sweeping down the plains. Yeah. Okay. Grapes of wrath too. Huh? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, so it's unrelatable. I don't get it. What, and, The Grapes Wrath? No, um, this movie, Near Dark. Oh. <laughs> and then also, I could easily be a vampire. They turned me into a vampire. Like, yeah, I wouldn't have bitten the truck driver either, right? There's no reason to bite that. Oh, dude. no. Also, also my, that was my favorite part, too, is the uh, Chekhov's uh, Oh, they're uh, setting truck it up for the instructions. Yeah, yeah, but he's teaching him how not to jackknife the truck. It doesn't automatically turn into a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the movie ends: is the truck explodes because he didn't brake correctly. Right? Well, that's not what happens. <laughs> it's just the truck crashes. Well, I mean, the, the, no, it was a gas truck. So you know, when gas trucks crash, they explode. Everyone knows that. Yeah, that's why they're so dangerous. <laughs> I guess they have the potential to explode, but yeah, know. they do. But that, I mean, like if, they, if it was that than, easy, they wouldn't let them yeah. drive on the fucking road. Well, yeah, and also then it would be that easy to accidentally blow up your car at the pump, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh no, I accidentally kicked some fuel. Yeah, but that's movies for you. That's just a movie thing. I can't hold that against. I mean, she kind of does the same thing with uh, Point Break too. If you think about it, uh, which part? Doesn't they don't they squirt gas with like a like a, a cigarette at one point, which I think is impossible. Oh yeah, yeah, because it would just put out the cigarette. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen Point Break. I guess we'll probably watch it eventually, though. Is that in the '90s movie? Yeah, but it's like early enough that I'm sure we'll get to it. I mean, I honestly I don't care. Like I like Keanu. I like. Oh, uh... well, it's I think when it comes to the late '70s and early '90s, it's just movies that were sort of formative in our viewing experience, anyways. Which Point Break was. So. <laughs> we're getting looser and looser with this idea. Like we fucking this podcast is going for thirty years or so until one of us dies. So <laughs> we're gonna have to fill. I, in I'm glad you shit. think we're gonna only make it thirty years. Oh yeah, I guess the life expectancy is going down for our, our economic bracket. So <laughs> I don't know, twenty five, thirty years, we'll say. <laughs> the only thing I'm happy about is that the Zoomers are probably going to die before even earlier. Why is that? Because if I, if life expectancy is going down, their life expectancy, I just mean like they'll, oh, they'll right. probably in the long run. I'll probably yeah. die first, but in the long mm-hmm. run, I'll have a longer lifespan. That'll get them, yeah. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah, it's fun to think about <laughs> the, the total. I saw someone post on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someone, is, is Harry Potter like a big millennial thing? I was in high school when Harry Potter came out. We took our to see the first Harry Potter movie. He was like six. Yeah. Um, I don't get it. 
So I am technically the exact like age bracket for Harry Potter. Like the first novel came out, Harry's eleven in it, and I was eleven when it came out. I think. Yeah, but I don't think you read it. No, I was reading Lord of the Rings and shit. If in comparative fantasy, or maybe like, well, I was definitely reading Lord of the Rings at the time, but I don't know what else I was reading. But like, it was um too juvenile for me already at eleven. Um, so. It, it didn't. I I was clowning on it at eleven, as most eleven year olds were at the time. To be honest, I don't remember anyone like. I don't remember any. Definitely no one my age bracket was reading it. Yeah, so I, it's like a younger millennial, I think, that's hell into Harry Potter. But even beyond that, I feel like over the last like decade or so, a lot of people have come to terms with or come to realize that uh, Harry Potter is not exactly a great work of fiction. And then also, uh, J.K. Rowling has. Uh, done the shit she's done to show that she's a piece of shit so a lot of people it's fallen out of favor but if you're talking about like the tiktoks where the um assumers are making fun of millennials it's you know they're just taking easy pot shots no that one would take it i was just like i don't get it well a lot of the the stuff i've seen for it is like well i'm not like a mainstream liberal i 100 percent would have pegged zoomers as the harry potter crowd like everybody, my son's age has read that for those fucking books. Oh no, I think Harry Potter's and older and like uh, and like I think like Chad and Shane and yeah, I don't know. They feel like this seems like yeah, they but they're all, those are all millennials. I don't. Chad is at the very. There's the last. Shane is not a millennial. I think he's he's definitely a zoomer. No, because it's like all the way up till ninety nine. I think ninety six, isn't it? No, I don't know. The fucking age brackets are dumb as shit. Anyway, doesn't matter. The whole thing is uh, <laughs> no. Harry Potter is definitely a millennial thing. Um, whatever, I don't get it. Well, I'm they're just taking like easy pot shots, which is what people do with other people in general. I don't have a problem with it though, because like I said, it's like a lot of really like upper middle class liberal white people bullshit that they're making fun of, which doesn't apply to me, so I don't give a fuck. I'll see him in there clowning on Danny Brown or whatever, so <laughs> I'm good. Oh, millennials are just out here listening to Danny Brown taking Molly and eating ass, those losers. Like, if they did that, then it would be applicable to me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at this point, so far, I they call millennials alcoholics. I just think that definitely applies to you. Well, now they're talking about like wine moms and shit, though. I'm like a legit alcoholic. Where no, you've would... drank way more wine than I have. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, all the wine is off for me. <laughs> They're talking about like wine moms who like make memes about drinking wine. And yeah, shit. no, I get it. I'm like, a, I don't know. It's I'm like a legit alcoholic where it's going to ruin my life. <laughs> That's the tale as all this time. Doesn't have to be doing with a millennial. That's uh, a generational pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an alcoholic because my forefathers were an alcoholic. <laughs> Genetic memory. Yeah. It's part, part and parcel. So he's like, oh yeah, because they're making fun of mainstream culture, which I'm. Uh, every episode of this podcast, we've talked about how I'm opposed to mainstream culture, and I think it's all uh, entirely too dogmatic and creates groupthink and turns people into um, easy uh, consumer uh, cogs, or you know, what I mean, it just it turns people into con- consumers. You can be easily sold to if you're part of the mainstream. And that's wait, wait, all. By the way, we got some supplements to sell you and shit. Yeah. <laughs> if we had advertisers, that's where we drop them in now. I mean, but, we had offer, offers. So I definitely had supplement offers. Yeah, but it's weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's weird shit. 
It's all weird shit. None yeah. of it's legitimate. Like fucking Joe yeah, Rogan out there. You think Joe Rogan's yeah. out there hawking legitimate supplements? No. Oh, well, no, obviously not, because he he doesn't know anything. I like someone uh, presented the case that uh, Joe Rogan's like a caveman with a lot of power who like brings <laughs> in scientists and magicians and be like, explain to Joe how how sun work. Explain now. <laughs> it's almost like that insane composite fucking miracle song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan. Oh, jeez. I mean, it's definitely overblown, like how big of a threat his podcast is to culture, or whatever. But it is also just like he's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's funny that so many people. Yeah, on one hand, it's kind of overblown. On the other hand, it's like he still is. Kinda, it's kind of fucking dangerous because there's too many people listening to this fucking dumb motherfucker. And like, yeah, he's a smart man. Huh. He, he knows what he's talking about out there. Yeah, but it's. I mean. <laughs> but at the, it's at the same time as the fucking motherfuckers that wear affliction t-shirts anyway. So yeah, but it's like you can when you you can see when you see certain people, you know they listen to Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not that dangerous because you're just like, oh, I don't need to talk to that guy. I don't need to talk to that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's not any more dangerous than any other element of culture. It's all trash anyways, except for this podcast. Yeah, and then the well, some of the movies we watch. Some of them sometimes. Near Dog's pretty good. I don't have a lot of um, big complaints about it uh, as um, a cultural experience, except for shit kicking Caleb. Is why is he all over May? He doesn't even know her. No, I mean like I'll, I'll pick apart most movies. It's a fine movie. It watch it. It's enjoyable. Oh, it's very it's well. It's not made. a great. It's not a great movie though. I think it's a great movie. It's just unfortunately it has to constantly compete in the hearts and minds of most people with uh, Lost Boys and Lost Boys just it has a more significant nostalgia a larger spot in the zeitgeist so sometimes that's how it goes um, but Bill Paxton is the best part should have just been about him we don't need Caleb I don't know if that movie works well uh, the, Caleb's just like too soft and shallow of a character he just oh I want to talk to hot girl oh no hot girl make me a vampire oh no yeah but they could have just used Caleb as a vehicle to explore like the the depths of of the suffering that the vampires are going through maybe actually make it a parallelism to like poverty and addiction you know something interesting but it ends up just <laughs> you know being, you know what would be great about this movie is that they made it completely different one well, no, it'd be the same exact movie it just needs a little bit more runtime and a little bit more. Uh, character study might be it that's all it needs otherwise and then it'd be perfect and getting all the <laughs> Caleb. all the VHS cult his, awards. His, his, his sister and his father well, his sister and his father need to disappear after his kidnapping Caleb can still be in it just as like the audience surrogate for us experiencing the world of the vampires but as it stands it's just aesthetically pleasing the vampires look cool there's a shot of them all cresting the hill they're backlit by the moon and you're like fuck yeah this is sexy and then mm, eh, nothing happens though gets a, blood, <laughs> gets a blood transfusion and he's okay I guess I don't know Movies. that was really anticlimactic daddy yeah. ever transfused a, a man before uh, he says uh, daddy point in fact daddy yeah, that's true which is I mean I don't it's I don't think it's weird if you call your dad daddy as a man or anything like that I'm not trying to question his masculinity or anything I am trying to question. You have questioned his masculinity before, though. 
I am I'm questioning um the weird uh southern shake kicking dusty prairie white boy culture where you say daddy instead of dad. <laughs> <laughs> questioning the linguistics of the the, the, the the honkies portrayed in the movie and stuff, not the I don't think it says anything about it, about his masculinity. It's just like man, people talk weird from there, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a dad or pops or old fella. That's the only thing. Oh man, I, I'm your pops is great. Yeah, yeah pops. That's my pops. Well, I'll call my dad Padre a lot, which maybe that's cultural appropriation. Uh, whatever. Fuck him. I um I I call her dad dad when I'm talking to him, but if I refer to him to other people, I'll call him my pops or uh and sometimes. Uh, like when I'm putting on a performance, I'll call him the old fella. <laughs> like uh, he went to pick me up from getting my wisdom teeth taken out, and they're like, "Oh, is that your dad here to get you?" And I was like, "Yep, that's my old fella." <laughs> and then they made me get in a wheelchair, even though I only had to walk like six feet. And I like they like didn't even like give me like the good drugs, so I was like perfectly fine. <laughs> no, I think I think I can make it. <laughs> They didn't put me in a wheelchair. They knocked me out for my wisdom teeth, and they did give me the, the good drugs. Oh, they didn't knock me out at all. They just gave me some painkillers and like, here we go. Oh no, I was down. I was down for the count. Oh no, not me. They were expecting me to get like knocked out. Yeah, but you know, whatever. You know, whatever. It's a fucking watching near dark. It is a pretty good movie. Uh, I could see putting it on in the background at like a Halloween party, or you know what I mean. There's like, a real vibe to it. It's. Uh, very cool to watch. It'd be interesting if someone cut it into, like, just a, um, like a music video with like your, the Bauhaus and that sort of energy to it, right, more cramps and stuff, just because of how it looks. So check it out, enjoy it. Um, next week though, we're gonna watch Batman, Bitman, the yeah. uh, Michael Keaton version. Well, I I guess what you would say is it's the Tim Burton Batman. Tim yeah, Burton, but I like to Batman. think of it by the, as uh, the the man that played Batman. So you got your Michael Keaton, Michael you got your Christian Vales, you got your Val Kilmer's, you got your George Clooney's, uh, you got your Ben Affleck's, and Affleck. pretty soon you got your your Twilight guy. What's his name? Uh, Patterson, James Patterson, Robert Pattinson. That's the one. Yeah, Pattinson. He's a pretty good actor. He is. It's going to be weird. I don't know. He seems so small to play Batman, but you know, Michael Keaton didn't. Um, they use like camera trickery to make Michael Keaton look like a regular sized team and they could probably do it with Robert Pattinson. I just like to think of a, of a Batman that at least could challenge me in a fight. And it's, it's not Robert Pattinson. It's definitely not Michael Keaton either. Or Val Kilmer or George Clooney. It's yeah, no, maybe, I mean, like, I don't cons- maybe Christian Bale. A hundred percent. I don't consider George Clooney or Val Kilmer as the top tier Batman. I don't even consider. I don't even think about them when I consider Batman. So, yeah, fair point. <laughs> I think the probably only legitimate threatening one is Ben Affleck because he is like six four and got yeah, he's like, an alcoholic piece of shit. Though I got but yeah, but when he was playing Batman, he got like three hundred pounds of muscle. <laughs> like that's pretty intense. <laughs> he was he looked fucking ridiculous when he's Batman. <laughs> like that looked like a dangerous person. <laughs> and also, like you said, he's an alcoholic with a short temper. I think maybe he was a dangerous person. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a short temper all my life, and I've never been an alcoholic. Yeah. I gave up on having a short temper probably the, like towards the end of high school, early college. But then I was like, I'll really lean into this alcoholism. And that'll, bring, <laughs> that'll bring back the short temper. <laughs> I guess that wraps it up for this week. Um, sorry I didn't have too many hard-hitting opinions about new things. Uh, I'll just reiterate with uh, everyone who got their opinions about video games, I'm just going to reiterate my position on video games, wherein that uh, 
the artistic and cultural relevance of 90% of video games is not good enough to outweigh the labor, uh, monetary, emotional, personal, economic costs that the industry creates. So to live in a better world, we may have to sacrifice um, some things that actually do not create uh, universal value. A lot of video games are going to be on the chopping block. So uh, you're experiencing I mean, that. I, I just don't. <laughs> is that really that hard not to do the crazy fucking work hour shit that they do? I don't know. It, apparently it is. Well, yeah. If they want to um, make money and meet deadlines and be make sure their industry continues to operate the way it operates. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, then obviously the industry shouldn't exist. Exactly. I, I don't know. It's so fucking stupid. Whatever. I hate everybody. Yeah. Black Lives Matter still. Black Lives Matter forever. Fuck 12. Fuck the video game industry. Stop talking about that Last of Us bullshit because video games are useless. What matters right now is our brother and sisters suffering. We're still, cops are still out here killing people. We still need to be on that. Be on the streets to help out as like, much Shut as down can. more fucking ports. That shit works. Yeah, continually shut down the ports. The entire West Coast shut down for Juneteenth. You fucking continue this shit. I know we gotta I make mean, money. Occupy, but like, you know, government buildings. Um, I don't know. You gotta be disruptive without being too destructive. There's a fine line. You know, I, I mean, honestly, if if you don't have money, you don't have power. There's not too many things you can do. Like the situation I'm in myself. I mean, just. I mean, fucking be mean to racist people and shit on the internet or people you interact as much as you can. Like, if, all, if you know people in real life too, uh, your friends and family, be mean to them. Yeah, fuck, well. fuck them up. Fuck with them. Fuck them up. This thing is, for a long time, there's been like this weird uh, culture of inaction and tolerance, especially among white people and especially on the internet where it's like, don't feed the trolls, blah, blah, blah. But it's, nah, we've been letting white people get away with too much. For too long. Yeah. For real, especially obviously uh, the internet aspect of it is a new thing. Why people getting away with too much is that's the whole tales old time. Yeah, the internet, I mean, honestly, the internet's like not even the, the worst example. The <laughs> the recent culture, they, they, there's actual you know violent shit they've got away with that, yeah. that's way worse. But but like the recent cultural thing that you can directly impact, you know, the internet um, and the surrounding mechanisms that go into the internet and come around it, or your own family and shit. Like fucking, it's time to like agitate and tell them to shut the fuck up. Sometimes yeah, people they have learn. no problem spouting their nonsense. Well, this is, sometimes people learn, so you might be able to reach. Well, I mean, I don't know if they necessarily. I don't think that people. most people learn by argument, but I, you know, if they shut up, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, but the whole thing is, um, yeah, maybe some people learn, but then if not, yeah, uh, you know, people don't need to be hearing their shit all the time. So if you right, shut listen, up, basically, that's what I'm getting at. It's like maybe that's they won't learn, too. maybe they will. I think the the percentage of people that actually will, will you know come to a sudden realization or any kind of realization by you know by just being argued with is pretty small but if we get them to shut up that's probably good enough for you right now yeah it's just a lot of people don't need to hear that shit right now or ever again or ever before so if you can help prevent uh marginalized people from having to hear stupid shit from your stupid relatives then i mean you're doing your small part i guess and then do everything you can to help out otherwise. If you need to get on the streets and beat people, I'll be there with you. Just come through Arizona. It's hot outside. Um, I'll need to put on some. Yeah, there's a lot of corona out here, too. So maybe, you yeah. know, actually, yeah. you, don't, don't come to Arizona unless you absolutely have to. I don't recommend it. 
I, I guess we don't go out there and, you know, do a little blood exchange in the streets. A little fight. A little fight in action. <laughs> a little street fighting man. Uh, shit. All right. Well, um, Batman next week. Batman. Oh, man. It'll be my birthday after that. Oh, Jesus. Is this old. your birthday movie? What's your birthday movie? I can't tell you yet until next week. Uh, yeah, Batman. This has been VHS Cult. Uh, we watch movies and determine what is the best movie of the 80s. So far, it's the Ghoulies. <laughs> <laughs> is that the thrust of our podcast? No, that's not, actually, but... uh, this podcast is about uh, nostalgia bait. Uh, well, it's actually a trick. What it is, you get tricked because you think it's nostalgia about, bait about 80s movies. But then you come in here and it's actually like far left propaganda and um, me talking about uh, how I'm from the streets so I don't beat you up if you don't agree with me. VHS goal. <laughs> <laughs>